0: This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Good evening, good morning, good afternoon and welcome to another episode of the Game Time Podcast. Another international one for you and then a little bit of Premier League action later on in the day. Tom Coley's on it with this one. How you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. We'll get on to Bournemouth in a little bit, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> Managed to shoehorn them in last week and <laughs> Premier, Premier League's happening this week, so why not talk about them just a little bit? Right, let's start off with, with England. Bit of a different performance, still a very good, big result for England, but one where they had to come from behind for a change. What, what did you make of the game?
1: Uh, it was it was a bit of, bit of an unusual game because um, I felt Montenegro felt threatening without actually being threatening most of the game. So um, I think there was a couple of times when Carl Walker got caught out of place and you felt a bit nervy at the back. But when they scored the goal, suddenly you, you sort of flash back to old England times and uh, maybe we, we, if if that had been maybe Roy Hodgson or maybe a previous England manager, we would have buckled under the pressure. And we would have ended up sort of sporadically trying to chase the game. But I think we we bounced back really well. And as soon as we equalised, I think it was it was always going to be a quite a comfortable
0: victory. Something different about this England side, and we and we've mentioned it before on previous pods, but they just seem to have a different air about them. And, and as you mentioned, 17 minutes gone and and them conceding was it Michael Keane who got nutmegged on the edge of the area and then someone else got done in for the goal. But this England team is made of steelier stuff than they used to be. Yeah, I mean, I think Keane Keen was unlucky. I think, I think actually
1: the breakdown was hudson Adoy didn't track back properly. And and maybe that's just a bit of na- naivety in being a young player, player who's not even had his first Premier League start for his club team and is already playing at international level. Um, but but I mean, it was forgiven by, I think his whole game was, was very impressive. Uh, I, yeah, I think... There, There is a lot of very, very talented English players at the moment. And I think we are making use of those, those talents. And I think the thing with Michael Keane as well, has finally maybe got caught out a bit on that goal, but scored the equaliser, which was very important. Um, but there are lots of other centre-backs who you think would probably be ahead of him in the pecking order, but he is still a, a fantastic option to have at centre-back for England.
0: Yeah, you forget he had that really good season for Burnley and Everton has been sort of like flashpoints for him, but still a very solid centre-back. But going forward, Ross Barkley grabbed a couple of goals, started this game, I think came on as a sub, didn't he, in the last game. Um, But has really stayed to claim in in recent weeks for for his club side and now for international that, that he can start games and make a difference. Yeah, I thought he was really impressive. Um, I, I
1: haven't really seen a lot of him and I, I, I don't think a lot of people have seen a lot of him just because of the nature of how he sort, of, sort of has a rolling sub-relationship uh, <laughs> with um, Sarri and Kovacic at Chelsea. But uh, he was very impressive. He, he has that attacking mentality on the ball and he drives and he's, he's incredibly good at maybe something I didn't rate him on is he's very, very good with the ball at his feet running at defences and, and mm-hmm. bridging that gap between the, strike, uh, the strikers in midfield. I felt that Ali didn't particularly have that well, much of an impactful game. And I think he was taken off um, maybe for Ward-Prowse, I believe at, at some point in the game as well. So um, Barkley probably did have to step up. I thought he got incredibly unlucky receiving, did he receive the yellow card for taking a quick free kick? And I tried, <laughs> to, tried to explain to my girlfriend why that's, why that's bad. And in fairness, it is ridiculous that that, that, that he has to get a yellow card for attempting to play a, a quick, a quick ball. But um, I thought he had a, he had a very complete performance and, He surely has staked his claim for being a a regular starter
0: for England after these two competitive matches. Yeah, I saw that. I thought it was ridiculous. Just because he's like, there's nothing against the rule to say that taking a quick free kick is a bookable offence. Or maybe there is, and I don't know that.
1: Well, I'm not sure, but I I always find it funny because those type of... Cards are usually disputed by the players saying they can't hear or they or they thought the referee the whistle. But yeah. when you're playing in front of about four thousand people in Montenegro, you can pretty <laughs> clearly hear the whistle. So uh, I don't think you got any far with that one.
0: Well, he must have been happy to uh, to look over to the bench and not see Mateo Kovačić warming up <laughs> and re- and ready to come on. Um, Raheem Sterling continued his very, very good form for England, uh, set up a Harry Kane goal and then finished one off nicely as well. But unfortunately, him and Danny Rose and Callum Hudson-Odoi were under fire for... Not under fire, that's not the right term. They came uh, under a lot of racist abuse. um, We have to say allegedly, I believe, but it's being investigated by UEFA. Um, It's just frustrating to see that at this age, 2019 and this year, we're still seeing this happen. Yeah, it is really awful. And um, what I
1: found interesting was at the at the point of um, Sterling scoring his goal, and 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 obviously then sort of pointing to his ears, saying, Can you, "Are you are you listening now to the crowd?" I had not really seen anything that would suggest that that was going on. Um, you, it wasn't particularly that intensive of an atmosphere. And usually, I think it, in bigger grounds, bigger occasions, you would maybe feel a tenseness in in, in the air. And it didn't really appear to, appear to be that, but. Um, I think there was definitely comments after the game by Gareth Southgate and and Danny Rose and uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi. I thought it was interesting to to, to note what Clive Tilsley said at the point of uh, Sterling scoring. He said, oh, I don't think it's very wise for Sterling to wind up the crowd like that. And you do wonder whether that was misplaced by Clive and he didn't really Mm. appreciate what was going on. But these, I mean, not to generalise, but these Eastern European countries do have a bit of a reputation of this going on and you'd imagined he would have thought, well, something must have been said to Sterling to provoke that type of reaction. Um But I, I don't know if you saw hudson Adoy's interview after the game. I think he did a couple and talked about the the abuse he got for an 18-year-old kid to sort of be so, um I mean, not even blasé about racism. It Maybe it's an indictment of the position of the country's in at the moment with, with racist abuse. But he was so mature and sort of said, look, this needs to be stamped out. It needs to be sorted. But he was... He'd moved past it and I think
0: he was maybe appreciating the, the arm around the
1: shoulder from Southgate as well.
0: Yeah, I think both him, I think Danny Rose and Raheem Sterling all spoke to media afterwards and all so mature in, in what they were saying. Um, and and nicely blunt as well, if that makes any sense. That There's a time sort of there's a, a worry that sometimes it's sort of sugar coated and, and players just try and brush it off. But it was nice to see Sterling and, and Callum Hudson-Odoi just say it as it is and say that this can't be happening and it needs to be stamped out because I think that's the the only way that this is going to get dealt with at, at any level, not just international games. Because you see it up and down the country and in other games as well. So it was um, it was refreshing to see them to see them come out and, and speak so honestly about it. Um, but it was unfortunate that that had to mar what in the end was a very productive international break for england top of the group now with six points four points ahead of bulgaria in second who look like they're going to be alongside czech republic england's biggest threat but you'd assume england will top that group
1: yeah i would imagine
0: that's probably the way it's going to go
1: now i think you maybe uh if you win the next two two rounds of games and then you can look to secure qualification because i think two go through in this group as well um, you can then sort of test out maybe some of the younger players in the final few games and give some either more caps to some of the, un, uh, the lower capped players um, or at least maybe try some of the younger guys that are coming through the under-21s. Uh, I, I, I was able to watch the under-21s game yesterday and um, I, I, there's such, an, uh, such a, a plethora of English talent out there and it really is an exciting time to be an England fan because there are so many good young players coming through at so many different positions as well. And um, So I think we're, we're only going to get better, in my opinion.
0: With uh, 2020, very much... I think this is going to sound like the weirdest sentence in the world, but <laughs> it's like the perfect distance away. Because if you think about it, we're now, what, a year or so away from, from the 2020 Euros, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. bar a couple of months. Which means the likes of Callum Hudson-Odoi, Jaden Sancho, Declan Rice, all these young players that are breaking into the team are going to have one more season of experience under their belt wherever they are. Yeah. So they will be so blooded into that England team that genuinely, I think it will be a scary time for any European country to to draw them in the group stage or the knockout stage. Because honestly, I, feel free to disagree with me, but I think England are probably the second strongest team in Europe at the moment, after Italy. <laughs> I wish. <laughs>
1: I bloody wish. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think I think France are very good. Um, yeah, I think they're going to they're they're going to be a team to beat for the next sort of two or three uh, tournament rotations. Uh, but yeah, it, it it really depends on how we nurture these these young players, and and I still think there's a, there's a level of young players that are coming through that I think we really have to be excited about. I watched uh, Phil Foden last night, and I think Phil Foden. This is this might be a weird analogy, but I think, on weird comparison, I th- I think uh, Phil Foden could be what Jack Wilshire should have been.
0: That's yeah, that's
1: fair. Um, and obviously he's still very very young. And Jack Wilshire was was probably as good at his age, m- maybe not as advanced, but then obviously succumbed to lots of injuries. So hopefully, if he can stay clear of those injuries, um, I think we, we've got a fantastically good, creative core in the middle of the middle of the park. And Harry Kane isn't reliant on pace, so he can score goals. I mean, he could score goals forever, <laughs> feasibly. So um, <laughs> uh, that that'd be maybe an interesting one. But I, yeah, I, I like I like the the look of this team, and it's also an incredibly enjoyable team to watch. Uh, you feel like there is a relationship between the, the fans and, and the players. And it's just great. And I'm so happy that we're at this stage and not, not, not the stage of 2008 where we, we just seemed like the end was coming.
0: God, yeah, that's a throwback.
1: <laughs>
0: Scott Carson. What yeah, exactly, yeah. uh, one thing that I wanted to mention, uh, based on the, the Hudson-Odoi thing, so obviously he has now started a, an international game for his senior country mm-hmm. before starting a Premier League game. What's Phil Foden got to do to get that sort of recognition? Is it that Callum Hudson-Odoi is just that much better than Phil Foden that he can? Or is it something else?
1: Hmm. I'm not sure because uh, I think maybe the advantage that Hudson-Odoi had is that he's playing in a position that... um, we have a lot of interchangeable players. So, hmm. I mean, Rashford and Lingard were both out and you'd imagine they probably would have got into the team ahead of Hudson-Odoi. Um, I think really Foden is probably battling for two, if not one, places in that England team. So if you think of it, Dyer's is probably always going to play the base of the midfield. Um, or if not Dyer, it's going to be Rice. And Foden couldn't play that position. It's then usually Henderson and Alley, and and now Barkley as well. And I I feel like it would, it would be difficult to look past Ali. Um mm. And I think Henderson. I think if if Henderson hadn't been picked up a knock, I think for Liverpool before the international break, I I'm pretty confident he would have played ninety minutes of both games, uh, one hundred eighty minutes for both games. Um, so, maybe there's just a little bit more competition in the positions for this time. I don't personally think Hudson odoi would get back into the squad next time if you're looking at bringing Lingard and Rashford back in. Mm. And I'm sure there's other players that I'm missing that, that would
0: probably play those wide positions, especially if he isn't playing for Chelsea. Incredible that after all the sort of difficulties that England had having their so called golden generation, where you had like a wealth of world class players in every position there seems to just be like this constant battle now for like fresh young players coming in who, who look exciting and look damaging so a good time for English football I take it. I love it
1: fantastic and the players seem to genuinely enjoy playing for England and are genuinely invested in the success of the team um, and I think that's probably only down to one man that's Gareth Southgate because he he's really revitalized how we look at how we look at players and how we look forward to these international breaks. I mean, I used to hate it. I used to hate it when, when I had no invested part in the England team and I didn't care. I just didn't care about these games. We'd win 1-0, it'd be boring and we'd eventually qualify. But this is fantastic and it's, it's just enjoy. it's just pure enjoyment to watch. Does
0: Callum Wilson's call-up to the England team have anything to do with that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it definitely helps. When he came on, I was like, yes.
0: Here it is. An interesting one
1: as well, as I didn't realise this. So Lewis Cook and Wilson have obviously played for England before, and they were both the first two players to play for England, who are Bournemouth players. But uh, Wilson's appearance on Monday night is the first competitive appearance by a Bournemouth player for England. No, fair play. I Did not know yeah, that. So I didn't know that either. So there you go. It's, it's all good at the moment, and uh, as long as we can get Lewis back for the beginning of next season, I think
0: he he should be pushing to get into that squad as well. Another week, and the another week that the game time podcast slides slowly further towards <laughs> the cherries podcast. <laughs> um, quick segue. Uh, you mentioned France being probably the best team or the team to beat for the next few years. They thumped Iceland four 0 Olivier Giroud up to third. Goal scorer of all time for France, he surpassed David Trezeguet with his thirty-fifth international goal. I don't like throwing the word around because I don't, I don't really know if it means that much anymore. But is Olivier Giroud underrated? Um, no, no. I mean, <laughs> me, me,
1: me, I don't. I think at the moment, no. Uh, I think maybe his career is slightly underrated. I think he, yeah. I, I, he, he is quite a competent striker, and he he has scored where goals wherever he's gone. Um, I would never pick him above anybody else, though. So, <laughs> oh, like a top level international striker. Um, I think that's actually the one position. So striker, obviously you've got Griezmann, but I think Griezmann's, Griezmann's older than
0: he looks. Um,
1: I yeah. think, is he twenty eight? Uh, yeah, he's
0: he's late twenties for sure.
1: Yeah, so he. And obviously, they're not going to pick Benzema, Benzema anymore because, you know, the sexy picture stuff. Oh, and yeah. then, apart from that, you've only really got Giroud. And obviously, it, it depends how the career of Mbappe unfolds, whether he eventually does become a striker. But France don't have that many alternatives or that many sort of front-of-the-line alternatives to, to Olivier Giroud. So he does have a role to play uh, in their success. And they've obviously got absolutely stacked at so many positions behind him that, Maybe they don't need to worry too much. But it'll be interesting to see how
0: that position develops over the next sort of two or three uh yeah, international tournament cycles. Very interesting indeed. And if well, he basically springboarded them to a World Cup by just being a human backboard for <laughs> Mbappe and Co. So we'll see what happens at the Euros. Um, right, let's segue on to Italy, because I always managed to shoehorn Italy into it. But genuinely, Italy played well. Again, yes, it was only against Liechtenstein. Yeah. <laughs> Liechtenstein, even yes Liechtenstein were down to 10 men at half time but Italy still won 6-0 it was yeah, bloody it was, bloody it was, lovely it was a dominant performance right against yeah. L- Liechtenstein. <laughs> <laughs> hey mate we, in the last qualifying campaign when we failed to qualify for the World Cup Italy beat Malta by a goal to nil and drew with Macedonia so we're, we're taking this as an absolute victory <laughs> Um, Yeah, a very confident performance from a very mixed uh, Azzurri side. Uh, Moise Keane scored his second uh, goal for Italy after being the second youngest scorer last week. And this week, Fabio Cagliarella making his first start since 2010 World Cup. I think it's been eight years, nine years. He scored twice, which means he's now Italy's oldest ever goal scorer. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? I do like that. Also... He's only 36, and this sounds like a weird sentence to say. Italy have had so many old players that I genuinely think 36 is still quite young. <laughs> <laughs> but then he was like, "Yes, yeah, Fabio Cagliarella is the oldest uh, scorer in Italian history at 36 years old, and I was like, shit, he's the spring chicken compared to some players that have played for the team. <laughs> But yeah, it was, a, it was a very good performance for Italy, who looked like they're going to take control of that group. They're two points ahead of Greece and Bosnia, who drew two all as well. So come on, Italy. Let's get to an actual international tournament because I can't take watching it as a neutral again. We've got no time for that. Um, right, let's go back to some home nations. Republic of Ireland beat Georgia by a goal to nil. Two wins out of two for Mick McCarthy's Republic of Ireland. Not the prettiest of wins, but doesn't really matter, does it?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's a really weird situation he's in because they've obviously named his successor before they named his successor before he even took over the job. <laughs> um, so I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's, it must be quite a weird, or difficult to motivate yourself in that in that situation because, it's like, well, unless that we win the Euros in 2020, <laughs> no. I don't really know what's going to happen. So, um, but he, he's it was, I think it was something like 17 years between. When he first managed the Republic of um, when he left the Republic of Ireland, which obviously after the 2002 World Cup, and then uh, he's now taking it back on again, so it's good to see him back. Uh, <laughs> the classic Republic of Ireland, I, I, I enjoy it at the moment. There's a lot of talk about Declan Rice, um, obviously being of dual dual nationality, and there's been some criticism from from uh, <laughs> from the Republic of Ireland about him choosing England over Ireland, and then they've chosen Mick McCarthy, obviously. Barnsley-born Nick McCarthy <laughs> as, a, as a true Irishman to represent, uh, represent the Republic of
0: Ireland. Oh, it seems a roundabout. It oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. I'll tell you what was be- beautiful, though. Conor Hurrahan's freak mm. absolutely rifled in after the weirdest stoppage in play ever, where just throw I, Ireland fans threw tennis balls onto the pitch. And <laughs> and I made the terrible joke in the uh, in the running order saying didn't realise that Nick Kyrgios's underarm serve was uh, <laughs> stretching into the game of football. Because honestly, and on a slight side note, that has been everywhere. Online media have stretched that way too far. The man's just doing his thing within the rules of the game. Just leave him alone. Is it, is it good? I don't understand. Like, as
1: in, what, what does it mean, though? She's clever. You can just do it. That's fine. It's like, sort of like you could bowl in cricket. You could bowl underarm if you wanted to, to try and
0: trick him. Yeah, a bit like, I mean, if we're going to stretch it into cricket, a bit like what happened the other day to Josh Butler, who, who got ran out. Um, the bowler's name doesn't spring to mind, but he got ran out because the bowler went to bowl, waited for Joss to leave the, the crease, and he just ran him out because there was apparently in the rules of cricket, there is no law to say that the bowler can't just stop mid-run and bowl yeah. out the, uh, the batter at the non-striking end. But we, we segue. But yeah, very clever from Nick Kyrgios. And I guess very clever from the Republic of Ireland fans because they caused enough of a delay to, to stop the free-kick and then Conor Haran smashed it in the bottom corner. So, yeah. master plan.
1: <laughs> well played to them. Another, another Bournemouth player for them. Harry, Harry Arta, don't mean he came on, but uh, wish him the best. All the best. <laughs> <laughs> so fair play. Uh,
0: Romania, Faroe Islands. Try and find a Bournemouth player in that one. Um, I can. I think
1: Michael Dobre. Plays oh, for Roma- Romania and he's in the youth team <laughs> for
0: Bournemouth.
1: Oh, am <laughs> the boys.
0: Oh, I'm not having that. That is well played. If you've done that, um, I'm, I'm not picking any other games because I, I don't. <laughs> your ability to pick out, pick out uh, Bournemouth players <laughs> is clearly far superior.
1: I didn't want to say, but when we were talking about potential next French uh, strikers to take over
0: from Giroud, can't look far <laughs> past Lise Mousset. <laughs> <laughs> Classic super sub lose Um I mean, while we're on the topic of Bournemouth strikers, uh, Josh King, two goals in two international appearances, uh, one against Spain at a penalty, and then one against Sweden. It's looking pretty decent season for for Josh King because he didn't ever look like he was going to be that sort of striker with banging the goals, but he's really turned it around recently.
1: Yeah, he had a good uh, first season for us in the Premier League, uh, second season for us in the Premier League. I think when Wilson got injured. He scored I think he scored seventeen. Um but it was one of those things where he pretty much um he solely kept us in the Premier League. Uh but he, he is a very, very good footballer. And I think before Ake probably staked his claim, I think he was our best player. Um he he's he does very, very well for Norway. I think he's the second or third all time top Norwegian scorer in the Premier League. Difficult to follow up, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I'll be honest with you. Um but yeah, he, he's he's been, he's performed really really well for Norway, uh, and he has scored against some of the best keepers in the world. I think I was reading he he scored against um, David De Gea. He scored against uh, uh, Kepper, obviously against Chelsea, and I think he scored against he scored against another top top um, goalkeeper in the world. I think maybe against uh, Neuer or Tostegen or something like that, against Germany in a friendly as well. So he's 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 capable of the big occasion. I, I will note that he does take all our penalties, so that probably does inflate. <laughs> And we do get a lot of them, so um, that probably does inflate his stats. But uh, I, I love watching him play, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's some interest from some bigger clubs this summer.
0: it be interesting to see what happens with Norway, to be fair. If, if they qualify for, for the Euros, mm-hmm. who knows? He put himself in the shop window. Um, right before we move on from the international bit, I just wanted to say Spain beat Malta by two goals to nil. Alvaro Morata scored both of them. Got a lot of stick against Norway fair play to him for scoring two goals because he's not had the best of seasons to be honest. Yeah, I do feel bad for him. I
1: think, I think he's, I hope he progresses a bit at Atletico. For me, it feels like
0: maybe he's just more suited to Spanish football rather than put being in the Premier League with Chelsea. Yeah, to be fair, I don't think he's doing all too well for Atletico at the moment. I want to say he scored one, maybe two goals this season, um, mm. but maybe three. I think he scored a brace in one game and then maybe one in another. But, um, it was 16 months he went without scoring for Spain. So uh, he's a uh, his dry spell is over. Right, uh, we're going to head on into the break. But when we come back, we'll go full steam ahead into this week's Premier League action. Be back in a sec. That's
1: it. He's got the shot. He did. He shot. He has done it. He his all over. If you're an MMA fan, be sure to check out the new Switchkick podcast. We preview upcoming events, discuss the big UFC and Bellator news, and John from Philadelphia drops in to give us a few betting tips. To listen, search for Switchkick MMA on SoundCloud or Switchkick in the Apple Store.
0: Hello, welcome back from the break, right into some Premier League action. We've picked a few games that might tickle the fancy this week, and we're going to start with an interesting one. 18th place Cardiff City versus 6th place Chelsea. Now, obviously, Chelsea lost before the break. Thanks for telling me that, Tom. I did forget that. Um, they lost 2-0 to Everton, but Cardiff picked up a big win against Southampton, 2-1 before the break. So, what do you think is going to happen in this one? Because a win for Cardiff could see them jump out of the relegation zone.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think um, it's difficult to look past Chelsea. You'd imagine that we um, will have drilled the players a lot over, over the international break, those that haven't been away. And um, I think Cardiff City will look to frustrate early on and, and maybe that could pay dividends in itself. I think Cardiff's home record has been very impressive and I definitely don't think this will be an easy game. I think of all the games this weekend, this this could be the one we, we, we see an upset. Obviously Cardiff coming off that win before uh, before the international break as well and a win would likely push them out of the relegation zone. Uh, they also have a game in, in hand above Burnley who, who are the team above them outside of the drop zone as well. So there really is a chance for them to kick on and i i I know maybe it's too early to talk about managers of the season and as as, as poor as some some of his comments have been this season around other political issues, if uh, Warnock can get Cardiff out of of the drop zone and keep him in the Premier League this season, I think that's a fantastic achievement
0: for him and the club. Without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, it's fair to say they've possibly got the weakest squad in the league. Um, Definitely the most underfunded squad in the league. um they did not spend a lot of money, but yeah, if he manages to get them out of it, fair play to him because that's been through a lot of hard graft and, and they've gone through a lot in, in recent times, um, especially with, with the, the tragedy of the Emiliano Sala. So if they manage to get out of relegation, fair play to them. Um, an interesting thing to note though, I think at the beginning of the season, they actually took the lead against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge before being completely undone by Eden Hazard, just absolutely going mental on them. So do you think now with Chelsea in sort of a different stage of the season, they, they don't look as comfortable anymore? Do you think if Cardiff get ahead, they'd be able to hold it?
1: I think so. I think that they, Cardiff um, have maybe solidified their game plans a bit better. They, they understand when to attack. And, and I think they have a lot of experience in that team and a lot of old heads who understand the processes of the, of the game and when it's important to just keep yourself in it and make sure you're not getting battered. So I, I think so. I think it could be a, a, a tricky 1-0 win for Cardiff, but no doubt we're now we'll see Chelsea absolutely pump them. But it's it's, it's important for the, the top four race, I think, to, to note that Chelsea are obviously sixth at the moment, a point behind United and importantly, three points behind Arsenal. Um, and you'd imagine if they were to lose this game and the other results go as as planned over the weekend, it may cost them their top four place for next season.
0: Yeah, that race for top four is, is heating up. And we'll talk about that in just a sec. Uh, I found something very interesting here. Uh, do you know the score the last time Chelsea played Cardiff City in Cardiff? 3-0 to Ch- Chelsea, no. The right number of goals, just the wrong share. 2-1. It was a narrow Perfect. game. Um, Cardiff took the lead with an own goal from Cesar Azpilicueta. I mean, that's solid. To be fair, that is yeah, so solid. Mark Schwartzel was in goal as well. Um, Andre Schirler scored in that one. And then Fernando Torres finished off the points. So a classic classic encounter there. Some interesting ones I found as well, uh, thanks to the Cardiff City website. Club Connections, Neil Etheridge, who is obviously Cardiff City goalkeeper, started his career at Chelsea. So there's an interesting one there. And a really random one. Chelsea legend Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank actually ended his playing career with Cardiff City. Ooh. So there's your stats for that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the race for top four. One team who are in the top four, but they're definitely not looking backwards. They're definitely looking forwards at the title. Manchester City, another sort of top to bottom clash. Uh, they're away way to Fulham you'd imagine it's going to be a pretty straightforward victory for Pep Guardiola's side. But yeah, football, things can happen. What, what do you think about that one? Yeah, I mean, this is the game that Liverpool struggled with a couple of weeks ago, wasn't
1: it? Um At, at Craven Cottage, and I think they only won because Milner scored a, a penalty. Um, I get a feeling that uh, this is going to be the way we, we sort of look at every single game for the rest of the season for the, for the final, what, seven or eight games that we want hmm. to see where... Whoever plays first in the days is, is going to look to put pressure on the game. The team that kicks off later, um, I'm pretty excited uh, for City. If I'm honest with you, I, I, I think this, this will be quite a comfortable win, and I, I think it may be one of the last sort of nails in the column, co- um, coffin for Fulham as well. They, they've only got 17 points this season; they're they're still uh, 13 points behind uh, getting outside the relegation zone. So, to have six games left and need p- potentially. Uh, up to 16 points just to get out of safety,
0: it probably will uh, make sure that they, they're relegated back to the Championship next year. Yeah, it's unfortunate for them because they spent a lot of money and I don't think they ever really got the right manager to sort of gel all those players together. But in Scott Parker, they've definitely been way more battling in the last few games. Um, obviously, they he had a tough outing, bearing in mind his three matches in charge so far have been Chelsea, Liverpool then Leicester City, and now Manchester City. I mean, that's not, not an easy run for any team to go through. But they Get, have... the, tough, get the tough ones out early. <laughs> <laughs> early 30-second game of the season. <laughs> um, but quite weirdly enough, I, I happen to be having to do something for work to do with Fulham. Um, Mitrovic has scored 10 goals this season. He started every single game for them. He scored exactly the same amount of goals at this point last season as he has this season. 31 appearances, 10 goals when he was on loan at Fulham last season. So you'd be safe to assume that he might get a couple more. And we've said in previous pods, City tend not to deal with the physical strikers as much. So do you think now with the likes of Ryan Babel adding a little bit more dynamism to to that Fulham side, they can try and utilise Mitrovic a bit against them?
1: Yeah, that would be the danger. Uh, I, I think um, City centre-backs don't particularly like getting roughed up. Um, so Mitrovic is the perfect player to, to sort of put that pressure on them as well. Um, I think with Stones out as well, you'd probably be playing uh, Otamendi and maybe Laporte. Um, so, yeah, I think Mitrovic will try and put the cat among the pigeons and, and try and frustrate. But I think on the attacking end, uh, Fulham's weakness is, has has been and, and will probably be until the end of the season, their defence. They just don't look solid. Um, they've got the worst goal difference in the league as well at negative
0: 41.
1: Yeah. Um, I think they'll really struggle against... And in, an incredibly informed Raheem Sterling and, and a, a rightfully
0: informed Aguero as well. So I, I, would, I would think it's probably going to be a cricket scoreline, this one. Ripe for the picking. Um, give me a number between 1 and 44. 16. 16. Let's scroll to number 16. Harvard Norvite is number 16 for Fulham. Did you know that he was on the books at Arsenal, also playing in the Premier League for West Ham? That's nice. That's just that's
1: just good facts.
0: Yeah, do you, do you want to know another interesting fact? Maxime Lamarchand, the center back/left slash left back, was part of the under 18s Rennes side that won both the under 19 French Cup and under 18 French Championship in 2006-2007. Where he's playing in two different age groups at the same time. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. The, the name of the French Cup is too hard to say. And it's an under-19s competition. So I just, <laughs> went, I just went with that. Because <laughs> it's still fine. Um, one thing I did want to mention as well. Uh, Joe Bryan, who's the left back for Fulham, obviously was part of the Bristol City team that did over Manchester United in the, uh, semifin- oh, in the quarterfinals of the League Cup last year and then got absolutely done in by Manchester City. So that's just a bit of information for you. That was... <laughs> I, I,
1: was, I was just going to say, I mean, t- you're talking about a few of the players in, in the squads and, and maybe we could do it for all of them, all of the teams. So the, the three current teams in the relegation zone are the teams that um, are Huddersfield, Fulham and Cardiff. How many players in, in those three squads do you think will still be playing for Premier League teams at the beginning of next season? So do Ooh. you think any of them will be picked
0: out uh, and and tra- have have significant transfers over the summer. That's a good shout. To be fair, I wouldn't be surprised if um, if we're going to talk about Fulham, just because he, he comes to mind. If Cessignon, yeah. um, if Cessignon gets picked up, he just seemed like too good of a talent to be playing in the Championship again. Um, someone might take a, a jump on Mitrovic as well because he's quite a good striker for for Premier League. What do you think? Yeah, I think Cessignon's probably the answer. I, I think. Um... There's a lot of players that probably
1: you will see dispersed, maybe not in back into the Premier League. Uh, so I think Schurrle, you can't imagine he'd stay, and I'd be surprised if players like Seri go. Uh, mm. As Seri don't doesn't go, but just, well, and Sessignon's a big one. I think Sessignon had interest last summer with um, Spurs, and he he definitely strikes me as that type of player. The, the only thing I think they need to land on with him is that, um, what position he is 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 he a left back or is he a winger? Yeah. Do you want to know uh, an interesting thing? So Ryan Sessignon is uh, eighteen. Um, how many caps do you think
0: he has for Fulham? Ooh, he played a lot in the Championship last season. He was one of the folk. I'm going to say fifty-eight. Okay, he's he's played ninety-nine times for
1: Fulham. Christ! I know he's eighteen. <laughs> he scored up. he scored twenty-two goals. That's I mean it's incredible.
0: That's fair play. And... Yeah, I know. Yeah. Jeez, I did not realize. I just assumed he broke out in the championship after having like four or five games in the first season. But fair play to him, playing ninety nine times. Yeah. That is a that is a stat that I definitely should have known. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, in terms of that question as well, trying to think of players for Huddersfield, and this is no disrespect to any Huddersfield fans who are listening. I don't know of any players who would get a go back in the Premier League in that team. Yeah, I agree. I haven't seen anyone this season that makes me think
1: um uh yeah that they they'd make this I mean everyone always says Moy, but yeah. I'm not even sure if Moy would get get in a team. I think again you'd probably see a, a couple of the foreign lads um I li- I like um Billing, Philip Billing. I think he's yeah. um uh, he, he's a good player and and someone who's still relatively young, so maybe someone would take a punt on him, perhaps one of the promoted teams as well. I think sometimes you have to think about a lot of the guys that um, get promoted will skim off the people that are relegated. So, yeah, but aside from that, and and the same with Cardiff, I don't think there's particularly that many players. I think there's a lot of players who suit the way Cardiff play but perhaps Mm. wouldn't be
0: accustomed to other Premier League teams. No, no, I agree with you on that one. Uh, Before we slide on over to the next game, just another little stat down. Uh, Fulham have only ever beaten Manchester City once at home. Um, Manchester City have won six times away against Fulham, so... There's that for you. The last time <laughs> these two teams met at Craven Cottage was in 2013, in December. Nice little Christmas game. Man City won by four goals to two. <laughs> With four different goal scorers. I- Yaya Torre, Vincent Company, Jesus Navas, who's been resurrected for Spain over the international break, and James Milner. God, oh, Do you want to guess who scored for Fulham? Uh, what year was it, Ian? 2013. I'll give it one. One was an own goal by Vincent Kompany, so you okay. can chalk that one off. Okay. The other one, former Manchester United winger. Winger? Slash left back. <laughs> um, not, uh, it's not Butner, Butner. No. Oh God, I love Butner, but no, he's English, this guy. Oh, this, um, it's English, God. <laughs> um, uh,
1: no, I'm going to have to, because otherwise I'm going to think about this forever. Uh,
0: played, played for Manchester United, yeah. West Brom, yeah. Sunderland, Fulham and Aston Villa. Kieran Richardson? Kieran Richardson, yeah, spot that's... on. Get in there! <laughs> <laughs> it's because he wasn't from Bournemouth, that's why he didn't yeah, get it yeah. quicker. That's true, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, right, let's move on from that one and go on to the big game of the weekend, Sunday's clash: Liverpool versus Tottenham. Are Spurs going to be the team to throw the spanner in the works for Liverpool? Do you think the Reds can uh, can overcome the challenge?
1: I hope they do. I really, really hope. <laughs> I, re- I really hope it's Spurs. Um, I think it will be an interesting test because of the Spurs. Have sort of seem to have turned a, a, a negative corner at the moment, and they seem to be struggling. Um, there was such like high promise with them, maybe competing for the top two places early this season, and that's obviously dropped off. And maybe they're looking over their shoulders now. Um, I don't think Liverpool have been particularly uh, intimidating the last few games, and Salah and maybe Firmino seem to have dropped off in in terms of quality. Um, but I, I think this could I think this this could be a yeah. difficult challenge, and, and maybe we'll see what Liverpool truly are made of this weekend.
0: It will be interesting. Sorry, I just up there. <laughs> ah, help me. Uh, it will be an interesting game. Um, I, Spurs are bang out of form, but possibly the most important thing is they won before the international break, which will give them something. But prior to their 3-1 win over Leicester, they lost to Burnley, Chelsea, drew with Arsenal and lost to Southampton, which is not the run of form you want to be in when you're heading to potential league champions yeah. Liverpool are currently top they're two points ahead of City but obviously City do still have a game in hand will Spurs be buoyed by the fact that their new stadium is now open and will by Sunday have had two games albeit in an under 18s and a legends match on on it?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I would say absolutely not I don't <laughs> think anyone's getting buoyed by a legends match Did you, have you seen the coverage of Gerrard's goal? Uh, you know um like everyone's talking about, oh, you never lose it.
0: You know yeah.
1: It's like he scored against some like fifty-five-year-old Italian <laughs> blokes. Like, I don't understand. Like, like it could have been your dad, Danny. Like, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get why they just this, this thing about like, oh, the bloody legends. But anyway, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, think they're going to be particularly. Um, I think that it will be interesting to see how they how they perform for the rest of the season in the new stadium. I'm slightly surprised they they didn't wait until. Um, next year um, hmm. I, I thought maybe that would have made more sense and perhaps play some friendlies there over the summer but um, yeah it's good I, I found
0: the fans have been waiting for it for a long time but I think maybe quality is more important than, than the new stadium at the moment Tell you what mate, Gerard scoring against 55 year old Italian defenders, no easy task 55 is prime Italian defender territory there Mm. They, are, do, they are in their primes. I feel like the fifty-five-year-old Italians are probably more competitive
1: than the <laughs> league than the league he's actually managing in at the moment.
0: <laughs> he's <laughs> so, like, Sh- shit. Yeah, gotta sign some of these boys. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to Scotland, they did win uh, yeah. after losing to uh to Kazakhstan in the first game, but we covered that in the last pod. So yeah, they're true. they're one for one. Um i tell you what you didn't mention in the last pod. What? Who, got, who got an assist for Scotland? <laughs> who got an assist for Scotland? Ryan Fraser. Of course he bloody did. <laughs> Don't know why I even asked. Assists when he wants. He's such a small man, but he's so, he's so nimble. <laughs> he's a very, he's very small man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's very good. I like him a lot. He's very good. Uh, right, before we move on to talking points, scores on the doors, because I didn't ask for any of the scores. So, Manchester City, Tottenham. What do you think the scores are going to be in that one? Not Manchester City, Tottenham. They are not. They are not <laughs> They're not playing. They are not. But what would you <laughs> think the score would be if they were playing? Uh, Liverpool, Spurs. What do you think the score is going to be? I'm going to go for one all in that game. Oh, all right. On the fence. Um, Fulham, Manchester City, because they are playing.
1: Uh, I think I'm going to go for four nil to Man City. Only. Yeah, only. They'll, they'll tire. They'll sub them all off after 60 minutes. City will leave the game after
0: 75 minutes and, <laughs> and Fulham, Fulham still won't score. Tom Coley, 10 minutes le- earlier in this pod, it'll be a cricket score and it's going to be the shittest cricket match of all time. Just 4-0. It wasn't even a four. It was just four singles. <laughs> um, and then finally, Cardiff versus Chelsea. Uh, I think that will be an upset, and I think that'll be... I think it'll be 1-0 to Cardiff. Fair. I, you know what? I could see that happening. That's a, that's a solid Cardiff victory as well at home. Correct. I, I agree with you. <laughs> uh, right, before we finish, let's move on to talking points, as we always do. Tom, have you got any talking points from this week's
1: football? Uh, there's a, couple, uh, there's a, good, a good news story coming out of Scotland this week is that... Um, Uh, Lee Griffiths has returned to training Uh, and in fairness, I wasn't particularly um, on top of this, this story, but um, he hasn't uh, trained for Celtic since early December and he's been dealing with mental issues or mental health, mental health, health health issues. And he's just uh, now uh, coming back uh, to, to training and he's working on his fitness and performance work. And I think the uh, Celtic manager, Neil Lennon, has said that um, there's no current timescale on his return, but I think uh, they're all just happy to have him back in, in training and he's quite a big personality. Um so someone he has been around in Scotland for quite a long time and has, has got quite a legacy at, for Scotland internationally, but also at Celtic. But 28, still in the prime of his career, and you do sort of hope he can get back to um, to being the top player he was in Scotland as soon as possible.
0: Yeah, he, a really good player. And it's nice to see that he's, he's had support for what is an, another very big issue in not only football and society, but... It just remem- reminds me of those two free kicks he scored, like two near identical free kicks against, yeah, England. against England. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Such yeah. a uh, such a good player. Um, but yeah, really nice to to hear that he's back. Um, I, my one is is very boring to be honest, but I really like Brian Ruiz. but <laughs> I don't know why, but he's always been one of my favorite footballers. And he played for Costa Rica as they beat J- Jamaica by a goal to nil. He's moved into a central midfield role now as as his age has. I was going to say deteriorated, but it's gone up and, and his uh, pace is deteriorated. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, uh, he's doing a Ryan gigs and he's moved as a, from a flying winger into a, a very stable central midfielder. So that's my talking point from this week. Have you got any other ones? Uh, I guess the last
1: one is that uh, Lucas Hernandez has moved, um, well, has agreed to, to join um, Bar Munich in the summer. So a 23-year-old, um, he's uh, obviously won the World Cup last, uh, last year with France. He's um, agreed to join from Atletico Madrid, and they've they've taken the Bournemouth, uh, Bournemouth signing players from Liverpool approach, and they've paid sixty eight million pounds. Christ! I mean, I don't understand. I I, I guess he's good, and and he's not really going to be I mean, I suppose Germany's relatively competitive league, but I swear he only just moved to Atletico
0: Madrid, though. Um, I I I'm think they've up. had him. I think they've had him for a while as I a key right, player. Yeah. yeah. Classic,
1: um, classic, you playing youth in France,
0: uh, playing youth in Spain, but he plays for France. Sort they bloody love it, don't they? Yeah. One thing that was interesting to me about that is, does that just mean David Alaba is not going to play for Bayern anymore? Because I feel like if you sign £68 million worth of left-back, Alaba's either going to be moving into midfield or just going to be leaving. It's a good question. Um... Yeah, I'm not really
1: sure. He he he's a he's a player. I'd love to see in the Premier League, actually. Um, David yeah. Alaba maybe linked been linked before. An interesting fact about Lucas Fernandez. He's got he is obviously French, like we said, and, and has played in Spain for a long time. He has got four names. So obviously, Lucas and Hernandez being his first and last name. So he has the the incredible knack uh, of having a very very Spanish name. Being Lucas Hernandez, but his two middle names are possibly the most French, Francois Bernard. He's got the the Spanish French sandwich going on, which is which is really great to see. Uh, but like... yeah, another another one to watch next next year in, in the Bundesliga.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, if Callum Hudson Odoi isn't at uh, the opposite wing for them, uh, and I'm going to finish it off with something that. Means quite a lot to me, which sounds a lot sadder than it is, and especially when I tell you what it is, will definitely be <laughs> sadder. The e Premier League kicks off this weekend, which is the electronic version of the Premier League where two players, one console PlayStation 4, one console Xbox, take each other on to represent their Premier League club. That happens this weekend. I tried to qualify for it, I didn't get in, so that's why it means a lot to me because now I can watch other people. But a really funny thing. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but to qualify, you had to go through loads of online qualifying and then you get invited to an event. And one of the players um, took the day off school so that he could qualify and he, and he won the event. And then the next day his teacher also won the event for, <laughs> for, for another team. So they both will be representing their teams at, at the weekend. So be very interesting to see if uh, if Bournemouth can come out with a win. Liverpool will probably win it. I'll be honest. F two Tex F2 is the best Tex, FIFA yeah. player in the world at the moment, so that'll be interesting. But I thought a nice little virtual thing to to end the podcast on. Amazing. Right, as always, Tom. Thank you so much. Cheers, mate. Thanks for that. Nice to shoehorn in. Bournemouth will be back next week, talking about all the results from the weekend of the Premier League. Uh, remember, you can get in touch with us on Twitter or Gmail, just head on over to our Anchor profile. All of the deets are down below as well. But until next week, bye.